On this explosive episode of the Life After Podcast, my ex-wife comes on to rehash our entire marriage and divorce. And boy, does it get intense. Gosh, I felt like I was in a prison for a really How long time. dare you? What the fuck? Uber bitch. Riffraff, street rat. No mental disorder. Are we going to fall in love again? You're not going to want to miss this. My ex-wife and good friend Jesse McCracken joins the show to deconstruct the damage of purity culture and marriages, coming out as queer, the power of therapy, and co-parenting after divorce. Our son Hilo joins us at the beginning, and don't miss his thrilling guest spot during today's special intermission interview. If you are in the need of therapy resources, please contact us on thelifeafter.org or in the secret community on Facebook if you are already a member. This is Brady Harden. I'll be back for one more episode before the end of the year. And until then, I hope you enjoy this episode entitled Focus on My Chosen Family. I wanted to name him Theo at first. After the character in Children of Men played by Clive Owen, but my ex, Jesse, she had the idea of going with Hilo because of a show we were watching. Hilo Harden. It was perfect. The name came from Battlestar Galactica, a series that even though it's associated with Dwight Schrute, it is pretty damn amazing. On it, the character Hilo becomes a unifier between two civilizations to create peace among humanity. In real life, my son sort of did the same thing between my ex-wife and I, but don't get me wrong. It's never the job or the burden of a kid to create peace among their adults, but just him being there gave my ex-wife, Jesse and me, a reason to stick around long enough to get therapy separately. Both of us had grown up in environments that didn't value therapy and, in my case, often demonized it as competition to Christian beliefs. But in reality, the help that we got from professionals was like unplugging from the matrix and getting to befriend each other on the other side. In the last episode, V talked about type 1 and type 2 thinking. Type 1 is often self-protective. It's friendly to tribalism and us versus them mentality. Whereas type 2 thinking comes when humans feel secure and ready for long-term planning. It fosters nuanced empathy, structural change, and a future shaped by hope. Jesse and I needed time and space to recover from the traumas of our family, religious beliefs, and each other. Over time, our type 1 gave way to type 2, and we became allies for the sake of our son. But we chose to become family because of each other. I grew up with divorced parents who were never able to get along. They're both very active believers with theology that says anyone who's saved shares in the same Holy Spirit of God, which supernaturally creates unity and love among them. But they put my brother and I in the middle, often as spies, and manipulated each other using us. When I discovered the situations that led to Jesse and I's divorce, it gutted me. Bring me back to the experience of my parents. Type 1 thinking took over for a long time until professional therapy gave me objectivity, and Jesse did the same. I take wild, profound pride in the fact that we're able to provide something for our son just using our normal human powers that wasn't possible before. Coming out after the divorce and trying to date has been strange. (laughs) I often get asked how, why am I a dad? I've had to learn to condense the story to the smallest message that I can, 
And I screenshotted it and I use this now on my dating profiles. Somebody asked me, you're a dad? Yeah, long story short, was super religious, openly repressed being gay, met a woman, got together, married, had a kid, she met someone else, got a divorce, did 50-50 custody, I left religion and came out, she left religion and came out, she married a woman, and now we all co-parent as friends. That's us. This, this interview is our story of how one day this lady divorced this fellow and then we knew is I'm just kidding. Here's my interview with my ex-wife and a little visit from my son at the beginning. Enjoy. Let me kind of unpack that for you a little bit. Today, I have two very special guests. Let me start by introducing my ex-wife, Jessie, first. Hi, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that you're here. And second, before we get into Jessie and I's conversation, we want to introduce our son, Hilo. Hilo, can you say hi? Hi. (laughs) Hilo, um, it is Thanksgiving today, and your mom and I are very thankful for you, obviously. What are some of your favorite movies and TV shows that you like? Um, well, my, my favorite TV show right now, I don't really have one because I've been just watching stuff. Well, probably Last Kids on Earth. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then my favorite movies right now, probably Batman. Batman. Which ones? Just Batman. All of them. Good choice. Um, Because for for Halloween, you all dressed up for as Batman characters. Who were you? I was the Riddler. Riddler, and who was everybody else? I was Poison Ivy, and Sarah, my wife, was the Joker. My wife. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I I love that you like Batman. You've been into Batman your whole life. Do you remember one time when you were younger and we were trying to get you to eat your food? Uh, and so I had my friend call you on the telephone as Batman. I I don't. I kind of remember it, but I I like don't remember it to be honest. I don't. I at first I did, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you you thought that I knew who Batman like had a Batman's phone number for a good few years. Oh, now <laughs> I remember solid that. parenting skills right there. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and finally, what what kind of things are you thankful for at your mom's house? And what things are you thankful for over here at your dad's? Um, well, at my mom's house, I am thankful for that, like, there I have my own guinea pig. and Waffles. Yeah, waffle. Mm-hmm. And um, we normally have, like, a lot of family come. And then I'm thankful here because, like, we have cats and um. I have lots and lots of stuff to play with. Same with my mom's house. Nice. Well, that works out. Yeah. Well, I'm very, very, very thankful for you. Yes. And I want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on the show for a little bit with us. Thank you, bud. Yeah, you're the best. All right. Bye. <laughs> Love you. See you, bud. Jesse, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, the first question that I wanted to ask you was, how dare you uh, produce such a cool kid? I know. What the fuck? We made a good one. We did. He's a really good one. I'm 
absolutely thankful for him. So he's so sensitive and sweet. He's such an empathetic kid with such a high EQ. I remember even as a baby, he was easy to deal with for the most part. Yes, he was. Mm, We did good. He absolutely is a good one. I mean, that, and that everybody at school always confirms that. So it's just nice to know that we have a good one. We're doing it. <laughs> yes. We're doing it, Peter. That's, <laughs> it is you, Peter. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Um, oh, my I mean, gosh, Not yes. only are, do we have to talk about our marriage and all of that, but I want to get the, the background on you. And yeah. that includes the hard stuff that I participated in and yeah. that I was not helpful in as well. So here we go. <laughs> uh, Jesse, can you give us a look into your background? What was it like growing up in your house? That's a great question. So we've always grown up going to church and, you know, praying, praying in tongues. Like that was a very normal situation in my house. Mm -hmm. Um, if my dad lost something, which he loses everything, um, you know, it's let's, (laughs) let's circle up and pray. Let's pray to find it because if three or more gather to pray and find it and it would be over his jacket. And I always remember thinking, this is so stupid. Like just look for your jacket. It's not, why is God in control of your jacket? Why aren't you just in control of misplacing <laughs> Where you your put belongings? Your stuff. Yes. Yeah. I can relate to that. But yeah, as when you, there was a hyper-spiritualism. For sure. Constantly. Yeah. And I'm, so that was constantly growing up. If I watched a scary movie, oh, you're opening a portal to hell. You know, you can't watch that. You're opening oh. a gateway to Satan. You're letting the enemy in. And especially with um, like health issues, I've always dealt with migraines and I know that you deal with those. And I know that Hilo has most likely inherited <laughs> that trait from both of us. Um, Lucky kid. Yes. If I, if I ever said I have a migraine, oh, don't claim that over yourself. Don't say that. You know, you, you shouldn't say that because you're letting Satan win. You're letting him take control and take power instead of it just being a natural medical issue that, you know, who knows what it's triggered by lack of sleep, lack of caffeine, stress, whatever. Like there's a million things. And I mean, I had immense stress going up um, because we always, our family always modeled Christians and this is how Christians act and we're the good ones and everybody else Mm. is the bad one. Right. right. Um, But the older I got, I realized you're the bad ones. They're like the classic Christian people that you run into where they say really good things, but then they do terrible things. They're extremely judgmental, harbor resentment, they harbor bitterness, and just they shit all over everyone in the family. And it's hard. It was hard. It was hard growing up. I remember feeling alone often. And I remember feeling like I didn't have a place and I didn't fit in. I mean, it just never, they always would say, you need to rely on the Lord. You need to have faith in God. You need to trust in him because this is where you belong and you need to believe that. So it was always a matter of me lacking faith or I just am quite, I was questioning things from a very young age. I've always been curious. I've always wanted to explore and that was never encouraged. It was always repressed, you know, yeah. They didn't want me to be my own person. Um, I felt like I always stood out like a weirdo in my family in a good way, but... Well, your family too was very involved in 
their church and the church was also at yes. a school. That's where you went. And it, right. And it also just clicked with me. It's literally a stone's throw away from the Joyce Meyer headquarters. So even though she, right. didn't, she didn't go there, it wasn't her church. Her granddaughter did that. That influence was still like, that was the kind of culture that you were coming from. Yes. Right? So I went to private school. We went to church that was associated with the school. I would see the same people all the time and would see kids in my class at church. And it's, it was weird, you know, if we didn't see them at church and, but then it's like, I didn't really care if I didn't see them at church. Like, why does it matter? I just, I never understood that. Being an inquisitive Um, kid wasn't just affecting one place. It was everywhere at once because your home life was so enmeshed and your school life was so enmeshed with your church life that it kind of was an all or nothing ordeal at times. Right. It was. My parents grew up really religious. And so then they sent us to private school thinking, this is the best option. This is the best thing. We don't want them in public school because we don't want them to turn to the dark side of the world. Like me. They don't want to grow. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, street (laughs) rat, Aladdin, right? Minus the good books and the monkey. You, you are Aladdin. (laughs) Yes, they. Gosh, I felt like I was in a prison for a really long time because everything was about church. If I didn't go to church, then my dad would inevitably get pissed off at me and so frustrated. And the same thing with my brother and my mom. It was a constant battle and I never understood it. It's, I mean, obviously we all know that going to church does not make a good person. We know that. I know. (laughs) Mind blown. Mind blown right here. It just, it frustrated the shit out of me. We went to a church in Festus, which if any of you are in the local St. Louis area, you know where Festus is. I forgot about your Festus years. Um, Yes. I pastored there for a while you know, before we met. Yes, I remember that. What was it like down there? What was that church? Oh my gosh. So when I went to church there, I was younger than Hilo and we had this pastor come in from Canada and she said to everyone in the room, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit right now, you will go to hell. Uh, and that I was, so I was like seven or eight. Yeah. I was terrified. Like somebody's telling me I'm going to hell. I was absolutely terrified. And so she said, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to come up here right now and get baptized. So of course I did. And my parents didn't say anything. They were like, oh, go do it. Go up and do it. And she did. And then I swear to God, she put a microphone in every single one of our, in front of our mouths. And we had to speak in tongues in the microphone in front of the whole church. And it was a revival situation. What did you do? Do you remember? What did you say? I realized they were passing the mic in front of everybody because it was proof of you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right. I feel like I just repeated everything that everybody else said before me. Just, I mean, I always joke that it was a shmanamana situation, but it was just like a. You do, 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 do. I just, it scared the shit out of me. And I was a kid, and that fear. I can still remember being terrified, thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be cast to hell if I don't do this right here and right now. So the pressure is you do this thing that there's no way of checking to see if you've done it or not. You just have to make sounds. And and that proves all the supernatural story and the things that are being conflated with that. But then you being honest to the situation and not going with the group think would have equated to at least one person in that room, you going to hell. Right. What kid is 
is going to choose to put themselves in a situation. Exactly. And, and she didn't care. She didn't care how old you were, which I mean, now I think, oh, well, there were babies there. Like, what do you expect them to do? But now I understand it was like a clear manipulation. But at the time I was terrified. And so situations like that, where you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. That was a common theme throughout my growing up. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Like without a doubt, you're going to hell. If you have sex before marriage, you're going to hell. If you curse or, you know, say the Lord's name in vain, you're going to hell. Like everything was this huge scare tactic to try to keep us in line. Yes. So you grew up kind of more charismatic. Yes, that, for sure. I don't yes. know if that was what we called you all or if we all, you know what I mean? Right. No, I would Am say I- charismatic for sure. And then when I went to high school, we moved over to a non-denominational, which everybody knows is a denomination in and of itself. <laughs> like it still felt like a yeah. charismatic situation. Right. It felt like a like an emotional manipulation of your mind and feelings, everything. I mean, it was just constant manipulation when I grew up. And your your school had this reputation, from me at least, and the people that I knew who went there, that I was like, okay, well, this is probably confirmation bias because I'm talking about the people that I'm friends with. So that mm-hmm. is a reflection on me. But you and the friends I do were kind of troublemakers at times. We were. And okay, I, mean, okay. I remember going to like various tournaments and we were known as the bad school. I know. And my school was too bad just because we were shitty at school. Yeah, but you were a public school. <laughs> right. so you, you were crazy bad. We, mm-hmm. one time that we had an assembly, I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. Given how I grew up, I did not know what the fuck weed was. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Same though. I mean, well, my, other than my brother. I didn't yeah, yeah. know. I didn't know. Yeah. Yes. And so I remember we went to an assembly because there were seniors at my school that were found smoking weed <laughs> and they had to apologize in front of the whole school. Oh my God. The whole school, yes. elementary, uh, junior high school, high school. Oh my God. I didn't know what any of that Why meant. Why bring the kids into it? No, I know. I didn't know what any of it meant. And because you have, you have to know though, I was really naive growing up. I remember when I was like 17, I think um, one of my friends who I always thought was like really Christian, goody two shoes, can't do anything wrong. She was talking about giving her boyfriend a hand job. And I was like, how do you know if it feels good? And I was 17 or 18 at the time. And I had no clue. I like I it, I couldn't even fathom how mm-hmm. you would know how you knew it felt good to them because nobody talked to me about anything. Like what and happens after a while? Yeah. Yes. Never. And so it was a lot of kids. If like it makes me, you feel better, in elementary they always called me Brady Bunch, and in junior high yeah. and high school they made fun of my last name Harden, coming oh, hard on. No. I didn't know what that word meant for the longest time. So I didn't have to explain to me. Real embarrassing thing. So don't don't worry about it. I completely <laughs> get it. <Thank> <laughs> like, that sheltered is not knowing things. It, it was a ton of sheltered kids just trying to figure out who they were and mm. you know what's going on with life. So, you know, kids were getting drunk. They were doing drugs. They were having sex. And then it was this whole big fiasco 
where they would get expelled or suspended for stuff like that. And it, I mean, looking back on it, it's like, it just, I can't. It's the movie saved. Whenever I hear. Oh, yes, completely. I remember even when we were dating um, and you were talking about some of these experiences in your school, I just always pictured you hanging out with Macaulay Culkin in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) I totally would have hung out with him if he was there. Hell yes. Hell yes. I would like to think I would be Jenna Malone in this situation. (laughs) Yes. And I definitely need some Andy Moore. We were only like 15, 20 minutes away from our church life. Really, we grew up, our houses were like, what, 10, 15 minutes away from each other? When you went to church, not even five minutes up the road from where I grew up. How did you get from there to me living in my weird sheltered life and doing the whole Southern Baptist, we think that people who speak in tongues are out of their minds (laughs) thing. Um, How did we end up at the same church? I still lived in my parents' house and I was, my brother lived there. I have an older brother who's like two and a half years older than me. And my cousin lived there as well. He is the same age as me. I gotta um, forget about him living I know. there. Yeah, he he's like a month younger than me. So we're the same age. I was living my life. I was, I think, 21 at the time. And I was doing whatever I wanted to do. I was going out with friends. We would go to clubs. I feel like that's not a thing anymore. But we would go okay. dancing and we would drink. I just was enjoying my early adulthood. I wasn't in that high school anymore. I was working. I was going to college, but I always felt like there was something missing. I just felt like there was something more that I needed to be a part of. (laughs) And it did not help that my brother, my cousin, they started to go to this church, right? And it was a Baptist church, a Reformed Baptist church. So my dad grew up being taught that all Baptists are bad. Valid. Now I would agree. Yes. <laughs> right. Like now it makes sense. He was right. All- right about Dad, one thing. You were right. Dad, you were right. <laughs> the one time in life that you were right. They were in what's called the cage stage mm-hmm. where they're just mad about everything. They're angry about everything. And they want to tell everybody all the time that they're terrible and they're sinners and they deserve hell. In my home life at the time, it was my mom ignoring everything, which I cannot blame her. God bless. God help her because she deals with all kinds of shit. My brother and my cousin, they would get into these huge arguments with my dad. And it's one of those scenarios. The only thing that I can make sense of it is that if you're in the same environment all the time and you're hearing the same noise all the time, (laughs) it's going to start wearing having an effect on you yes so over time like listening to them it just took me back to when i was a kid and when that lady said i was gonna go to hell if i didn't start speaking in tongues right then pressure pressure it was pressure yes Mm. and i was terrified again because i constantly heard that i was a sinner i was a wretch i'm you know not worthy of being saved and i don't deserve any good thing and it was exhausting to hear and it really freaked me out. So my brother and cousin just kept at me. They'd come home late and they would be set up in the basement and I would go down there to talk to them. I know. And they would just pick me to death. 
I have been picked to death my whole life from all of my family members. Same. They always had it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. get it. They always had an opinion about everything, about what I was wearing, about what I was doing, about what I looked like. If I didn't have makeup on, oh my God, you look tired. Are you sick? Like really it was, I started to do everything to please everybody else. That's how I lived my life was just in constant, in this mode of just, I have to do everything to make everybody else happy. And I just wanted them to stop. But then I also really started to believe what they were saying. There was one night I was like, okay, I'll go to church with you. And they were mind blown. They could not believe that I was going to go with them. And I did. When I first went to Rockport, I mean, you know how it is. It was a love bomb. That's the word. That's the phrase. Holy, That's the well, phrase. And you, yeah, you taught me that word and it kind of changed my thinking in a radical way because I couldn't believe that there was a word for that. Because as soon as I got there, I felt like I was flooded with people saying hi to me and that they were so excited to meet me. If you're a person that you feel lost, you feel like you don't have anything going for you. I wasn't given any kind of direction. My parents, they didn't offer any kind of guidance with my life. And then the school I was at, there was no guidance counselor or anything like that. So for the first time in a long time, I was like, oh my God, I have this community. This is awesome. And I was hooked immediately, unfortunately. So And then I met you. This feels like an. This feels like an episode of Lost. I I remember one Sunday morning there being a group of new people around my age, one row ahead of me, and it was your brother, your cousin, and then um, our friend Jason, who's who's passed away. Three of them sitting there with their one was married and they they had their their notebooks out and they had a checklist of things that they wanted to have from a biblical right. church. And that is such a thing that I right. would have done. And I remember catching, <laughs> I remember seeing it and I was like, oh my God, this is an answer to my prayer. These people. So I remember like they're maybe, here like, for me. Church, I befriended them and we became Yes, I remember so that. They, your brother and I were like, yeah, You were. And, and then we I, clicked. yes. And I didn't even know that he had a sister until one day we were hanging out and he mentioned needing to leave because he needed to get a baseball bat to go after <laughs> a ex-boyfriend or something. Some <laughs> oh, drama shit. that was going on. Oh my God, I remember <laughs> that. Oh my God, I forgot about and that. We were at Jason's and that was the first time we were like, you must <laughs> And then eventually he's like, like you came to church and you come in and I'm like, she's beautiful. Like, <laughs> and, and you know, we like hit it off and that's how right. we All right. Now you continue. Now we're caught up. On well, that. so we met and oh my God, I remember thinking I am not good enough for this person. I, uh, I mean, but you were set up to be, you were set up to be a pastor. I was like, oh my God. Like Avril Lavigne should have a song. Like you were a pastor boy. I was a skater. Yes. Oh Lord. So I, I was so nervous because I, I mean, I heard about you through my brother and my cousin and I knew you guys were close. I was like, I have to make a really good impression on Brady. <laughs> I was so nervous to meet you. And then we met and yeah, we hit it off. I feel like we hit it off like really well. Yeah. And then, Thank yeah. You, and, but then I remember, <laughs> oh my God, I remember like we would hang out, we would talk and then we started courting and, Ugh. you know, 
you were always like, you were sweet and, but you were very much like, I want to help you with your theology. And you were like, uh, read this book. Cringe. I don't even remember what the book was called. Probably some fucking I John don't Piper understand bullshit. any of this. <laughs> I didn't know what any of those words meant. And <laughs> it's like, this is not meant to me because I can't read this shit. I think I said that to you. Um, I think I just said it's too much or it's too heavy. I don't remember what I said. You're like, we could dial it oh, back. Oh, no, I don't no, want to know what I you, said. I I mean, I think we just read the Bible. I said, I said I'll <laughs> dial it back. Okay, fine. Yes, that's not too bad. I think uh, we just read the Bible at that point and not that book. But I remember we would meet at Bread Company and we would have we would go over like what we read in the Bible. <laughs> You would have all these elaborate notes. And like, I just always thought, oh my God, he's so godly. Look at all these notes that he's taking. Look at how he makes his notes. Like his Bible is full of shit. I was like, and I just kept thinking, I mean, the whole time though, I was thinking. And it was just undiagnosed <laughs> mental disorder. That's ADHD. <laughs> yes. um, well, and that, I mean, but I still had this thought of like, oh my gosh, like I have to be more godly. I have to be more godly, which I think I sucked at the whole time, but that's okay. Yeah. You weren't the, <laughs> you weren't the best, but nobody's keeping no. track now. I was, I was giving, giving yeah. shit. But like we were in a church that was so pressure. It was a cult. I mean, I was, I mean, I, I, I hear the pressury things that I yeah, did, and but, I know, it, but I did them and I was like, I had theology so far shoved up my own ass, but like also the church that we were in was um, very much, I mean, I remember whenever we got engaged yes. or, or, or was it when we courted? I don't remember, but the day that we announced that we were either engaged or courting immediately was asked, well, when are you going to get married? Like, do you have a date set? I mean, it may have been both. Because I think there's, at the church that we were at, I would, and I'm not exaggerating. No. It was, it was an average of three to four months long. Oh, absolutely. My brother started courting a girl there. They were engaged one month later. And then they were married, I think, three months later. And then they were pregnant immediately. They had a baby to the day nine months later. So and how many and that kids are they on now? Just had number eight. It was normal to have a family of like seven to nine kids. Or 12. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and even like there were within that people that were adapted into certain families, but not others. It was very cliquish turned to family even within. Yes. Yeah. What kind of pressuring do you remember of, of speeding the relationship up as quick as we, we could? courted for quote unquote a long time. I kept, and I think, it, <laughs> I think it was like a year, maybe a year or a year yeah. and a half. I don't even know that it was a year and a half. And my example was my brother and my sister-in-law and all of these people that would get, they would start courting. And then it's like, they got married immediately. Brilliant. I was like, why aren't we doing that? And I remember, I'm sorry, I really put the pressure on you. I know I did. <laughs> and I know everybody else did. 
because I just thought, well, why are we waiting so long? What's wrong with me? It was definitely a self-conscious thing because with the church, everybody was doing it so fast. Like they didn't give any kind of opportunity or chance to get to know each other. You can't do that in three months. I remember meeting with our pastor. Oh my God, I remember this. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he... (laughs) I was like, why is he not proposing? I don't understand. We've been together for a year. And he was basically saying, give him an ultimatum that if he doesn't propose soon, <laughs> then you need to just break up with him. I it's know. Funny I, could, I, could, I remember standing on the other side of the church, watching the pastor's office door when you're having this conversation. I closed my eyes. I could see it perfectly <laughs> in that day because I knew the conversation you all were and having. And there's a little window on that door. Oh God, I do not like that they're having a meeting. And then, and then the ultimatum <laughs> came of what was? Oh it shit! Things? Did I give you the ultimatum? Yeah, I'm so sorry. It was it's okay. Uh, I need to. I need to hurry this up. And you know, looking back, I was dragging my feet just because you know I came from a really bad home life, and right. you know my standards of what a family should be like and how people should get along or should communicate were out the window. And knowing right. too from the household that you grew up with, and I don't say this judgmentally towards your family, but no. the type of Christianity that we grew up in does not always produce very nuanced home life, problem right. solving skills, et cetera. So Absolutely. neither of us were given those things. And then you weren't able to communicate who you were because you were never given the opportunity to be who you right. were or to even, if you knew who you were, share that and say it out loud. Right. And I want to say too that like even before we started courting, you were very open to me about your past. And yes. I was able to tell you, oh, I struggle with being attracted to guys, but I'm never going to act on it and I'm over it. And I think I even framed it at that time as like, oh, that that's a thing I used to be. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, yes. well, now that she's here, I'm never going to have to deal with this anymore. Right. Let me tell you something about being gay and queer. That's not how... But we were, I I guess what I'm saying is there was openness of what was going on. We were trying to make it work. And I think we were really trying our hardest to both fit into this expectation. Oh, completely. That we definitely had from our very high pressure community or high pressure church. I remember my sexual history really being brought up as an issue constantly. Like I wasn't a virgin. I was heartbroken to tell you. I'm not a virgin. And then I remember you said, I will never forget it. You, My brother told you, and I wanted to murder him. What the fuck? And that's, that's a no whole privacy. separate issue. There's no privacy. The elders knew it. The pastor knew it. Every, I felt like everybody Ugh. knew my sexual history. I felt like scum. I felt like a slut. I felt like every bad name you could think of because they did not allow me to tell you. They told you first because they didn't trust me to tell you. Then when I told you and you already knew, I was like, why am I even doing this? Like, I've been beating myself up about this, trying to tell you. And because I was fucking heartbroken that like you weren't my first. Then they like I found out they all told you and they all knew because my brother told everybody. So that was like a whole other. It was like I was looking at you as she's the answer. Um, if I lean on her, then I can make this work. 
And what I hear you saying too, is like, you were being conditioned by the community to say to me. And so it it worked, but at the bottom of it, neither of us were really able to be who we genuinely were because we didn't know. I'm like, needed to become this fundamentalist preacher boy and then be the most (laughs) honest version of that as I could be. And then at times was fucking honest to a fault. And that was an issue too, you know? So it's like, we had, you were were a, uh, you were a great pastor. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, uh, my degree is doing this uh, atheist so much good now. But I mean, but I remember like when you would preach when we were at that tiny church in Illinois, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's so godly! Look at him!" <laughs> if we were pioneers, we would have been. We were alive, Jesse. <laughs> They wanted us to move there. Could you imagine that? No, hell no, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) But okay, so here we are. I'm pastoring. That was my big thing. You know, yes, I was. I committed my life to the full time ministry at the age of fourteen, fourteen, and so (laughs) that was going to be our thing. You were going to be a pastor. I was. I was going to rack the shit out of that. What what did you think that was going to be like? What were your? I have no idea. So we got married in April of 2011. And really shortly after that, it was a few months following, you got this, I want to say gig, you got this gig in Illinois at this tiny church that had like seven members. I remember going there with you and I just like felt like we were so important to these seven people. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, we're making a difference here. And I was like, I just support you however you need me to. I can be the godly wife. I can look like this. I can do it. And I remember they really wanted us to stay. I remember like you were supposed to be there for three months and they wanted us to stay there so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, but they were so heartbroken. That it was we like, the, it was like children of the corn. It was like, it was like, yes. a, oh my God, never leave us. Now that you, <laughs> they didn't, they like truly did not want us to leave. And I mean, they made an impression on me at the time. And I still remember Some them. I mean, every people, time yeah. they were super sweet, they were super sweet. I mean, anytime I drive by that town now, mm-hmm. I think about Same. them because I'm like, oh, Same. that was such a weird moment. It's such a weird moment. <laughs> yes. So I just remember thinking, oh my God, I have to do whatever I'm going to do. And I remember right after we stopped going there, that's when I found out I was pregnant with Hilo. <laughs> okay. And I I hate to bring this up. It's totally fine. But you and I, we discussed for a long time waiting to have a kid for a while. I blame the Duggars and then for all what happened, I was about to say, what happened is you and I, we started watching that goddamn show together. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, Nobody should watch it. He... Oh my okay, I'm constantly time out. embarrassed I want to, say this. to say that. Yeah, Hilo, if you ever hear this when you get older. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. It is not a, you. you are not a mistake. You were not a, No, oh my god. You were not in any way a product of 19 kids counting. No. You matter. No. Your story matters. But 
Jim Dog Duggar did not have any say in your birth. But it definitely was moved forward because we were influenced by the Duggar. It was. Oh my God. It totally was. And I was reading their fucking Mm. book. I was reading their book. And so, okay, fast forward a few years. Halloween is my favorite holiday in general. Same now, yes. But I found out I was pregnant with Hilo on Halloween. And how did you tell me? Because I will never forget. Oh, I got you a cake from Walmart. That said, that had the Big Daddy thing on from, oh, what's Bioshock. that game? Bioshock. The Big Daddy from Bioshock. And it said, you're going to be, be a, a daddy. daddy. So I like presented Brady with this cake. And he was, so I knew for like a week and I was waiting on this cake and I was freaking the fuck out. <laughs> and I finally gave it to him. And he was, he like, he responded super sweet, really well. And then we went and took the cake over next door to our friend's apartment. And we told them, and then we had cake with them. I, I loved it. I mean, it was I the sweetest thing. I re- that was yeah. really thoughtful. So thank you. You're welcome. I really enjoyed the times that we lived across the hall from our friends. I did too. And I was thinking about that recently. I feel like while we lived there, we were like the best versions of ourselves, if that makes sense. Like um, our Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We had issues like every married couple does, but. We had Hilo when we lived there and it was so nice to live across the hall from them. I still think about Jason all the time. Um, well, but and, it, J- and Jason was the friend that I mentioned earlier that was with your brother. Yes, that passed away. When we lived there though, that's when we had Hilo. So like, that's where we were newlywed. I feel like the first few months when Hilo was here, that was when we were like our strongest or closest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember waking up in the middle of the night when Hilo was a newborn and you were like so attentive and so helpful. Thank you. And I just oh. remember like being so happy with our little family. You've always loved Hilo. Like I've never doubted that or questioned that for a second. I mean, you were all, you were in it with Hilo without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and that, Yes. And that, I mean, I know we face some issues and complications. I've always known that your heart was in it for Hilo. And that's all that matters to me as a mom. I love you. Thank you. Yes. I love you too. And obviously like we were facing some hurdles. Um, and I think we were both (sighs) the start of the end, if like for lack of a better phrase, Um, because we had Hilo and then I felt like all of these hurdles started happening all of a sudden, you know, we had to move really quickly because of a weird maintenance man that made me feel really Yeah. It was so messed um, up. And I had to email Yes. Him. Like they were so shady and they, the head of the apartment they were lying. She had a boyfriend who murdered someone in the apartment yes. and she was able, like who lived with her and she's able to keep her job. And I'm like, yes. no, no, no. So I had to like call the owner, all that we moved really quickly to work. Yes. yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So we like all of it just felt so fast after that, you know, like it just felt like we had everything kind of put on us at once really fast. I know we tried to change, we, we switched churches at one point and like we ended up going back to Rockport. Well, the and- switching, the switching churches was because I was being called into the ministry. We wanted to like, yes, we, well, I don't want to say that 
I can say we, it's okay. okay. We, but I feel like you weren't involved in these decisions because you don't even remember them. And that you were the husband, so you were deciding. Uh, But I hate that shit. So (laughs) I wanted to go to this new church plant so that I could get my feet wet and do more ministry stuff. And the church, the church even had an official send off week where they laid their hands on us and they prayed and and then we went off. Yes, I remember that. It was a sister church and everything. So we were at that church. For about three months, I think. Um, yeah. Before like shit really started to hit the fan, if that's appropriate. <laughs> that was right around the time that you were writing your book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to be the ever supportive wife. Um, but then I think I really realized that I, I was get I was lonely. Valid. And like, you, so you've always been a runner and like you would go work out, like you were always way more healthier than I was. Back then, God, we really switched <laughs> that up. You would go work out and you would go run and you would go right. And like, I just remember thinking I was home alone, like all the time with Hilo and in hindsight, it was definitely an insecurity. And I I just thought I wasn't doing enough for you. And so I wanted to support you in any way I could, which that meant you want to go right, go right. If you want to go run, go run. So then we like, we really started to have issues pretty quickly. Like once we moved into that new place. That makes sense. I think with my writing too, now understanding my neurodiversity, I think I was like really hyper fixated on some parts and didn't know how to focus on something for a short period of time Mm -hmm. that just wasn't even in my vocabulary. And so I don't know. I I hate that you were put in that position. And and I'm sorry that I did that. No, it's fine. Because that's like where I'm at now is we both, we were on the same page for some things, but then when we were on different pages, in hindsight, when I think about when we were on different pages, I'm not sitting here thinking anything negative of you because like in the back of my mind, I always think you were brainwashed just as much as I was brainwashed. Right, right, right. A lot of the things that we were told, I remember meeting with the pastor's wife at Rockport and you were with the pastor at this point in time. So like, I don't know what was said to you, but I know what was said to me. And it was all about being like joyfully available. Good God. Right. And so, and I mean, that, that we've come full circle with the Duggars because that's a very like Michelle Duggar thing to say. But she was talking about being joyfully available where it was like, we were, we just, I mean, we weren't, Okay. okay. Here's the thing: sexually compatibility. Okay. Can I be completely honest? And just, yes. On our wedding night, I lasted maybe 15, 30 seconds. That's what I mean. But it's like, and you didn't. But here's what I'm saying: is like sexually, we weren't compatible because my body did not know what the fuck was going on. And just adding on top of that, like the next step of that for you was. Oh, well, now you're married to this guy, so you need to have sex with him any time that he wants or whatever. Like Like I said, I don't know what you were told, um, but I remember being in the room with the pastor's wife. We were in the library in the church, and she said that she hated having sex with her husband, that it was physically painful, that she hated it that she had to pray her way through it when she had sex with him. Oh, my God. And that that's what you do. That's what you do as a wife. And like, I remember being horrified then. And like, now I'm horrified for like, obviously every other different reason, but it's like, but it it took me a long time to realize 
I don't know what you were told. I don't know if you were like, just do it. I don't know what you were told, but I know that like I was told to physically lay there and let you do whatever you wanted. Jesus fucking Christ. No, I did not know they were telling you that. I'm so, I'm so, no, I'm sorry that I'm like, no, 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 no. Is that you? I like, I'm not, okay. I'm making two apologies right now. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional. The first one is, no. I hate that you were put through that unrelated yeah. to me. Yes. Second, I hate that the way that our cards of expectations were placed on each other, right? So right. that we would lean and then hold each right. other up with the same sort of bullshit. For sure. I mean, it, well, and that's why, <sighs> I mean, I don't ever feel like, you put me in that position, but then at the same time, like I said, this whole time, like with counseling, a lot of counseling, mm-hmm. I like, I've realized, yeah, I was brainwashed and I was told all these things that like you have to do. But then like, I realized he was just as brainwashed. Yeah. So like, I'm not, Thank you. I just like, I hope you know that I'm not sitting here thinking, and I've said this to Sarah a million times. Like I don't sit here and hold ill will like towards you. Like I hold that towards the, the, the culture. Yes. All of it. The culture, the pastors, every, I mean, everybody, everybody at that place because they, they push that and push that and push that and manipulated us. And they brainwashed us to like the 10th degree. When I really took a step back and I was like, Hey, it's not just you that was brainwashed and manipulated. It was Brady too. Yeah, same. You no, know, it was. Same. Just knowing the culture there and knowing how they treat the men versus the women. That's why I was like, I can assume what they've said to you over the years. I don't know for sure, but based on what I've been told, I can only imagine what you've been told. I've never held that against you. Like, I hope you know that. Um, I appreciate yeah, the because fuck out it, of that. All you've shown since then, like since we've got out of that situation, you've only shown growth and like empathy and love and care, not only towards Hilo, but towards me. You've always been so welcoming, like to previous boyfriends and then now towards my wife. You've only been kind and loving. And I mean, that means more to me than anything. So I just want, I know I've said this before when I had like a boudoir photo shoot where I've realized various things that have happened to me in life. I don't hold that against you. Specific situations, I don't hold against you because I know we were both fucking brainwashed. We were brainwashed. I mean, okay, number one, yeah, fighting back tears just a little bit. Um, oh, <laughs> I love the world you. To me, and I appreciate yeah. the fuck out of that. Thank you. Um, I mean, so, I'll always I mean, have love for you, and, and I have the same, the same love for you, and the same understanding for you because. And this is we're, we're skipping we're skipping ahead a little bit. We're gonna do a little <laughs> bit of a spoiler alert. But when you were able to come out to me and explain to me that yes, and then when you hit like you mentioned started hitting therapy, and then we were able to come back and start having I think it was a birthday dinner at a Mexican restaurant. I don't remember. What it oh was. yeah, it was yes. like that time we just had this big heart to heart, and it the same same thing with me of. The things that I was hurt for, and 
and the things that I blame myself for, I was like, well, it's because I wasn't good enough or I didn't, whatever. And him, I'm like, no, she was just a fucking indoctrinated too. Yes. And now we both we're were. both. Just, oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. And I realized no. that we're both just here now yeah. for our goddamn kid. And we both went the same yeah. thing. No, we were both just yeah. put in this stupid ass situation against each other in a way. We were. Yeah. And I mean that. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I'm crying <laughs> too now. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm fast forwarding a little bit. Once we we started having all these issues, I had I had, had an emotional affair and I remember you were devastated and it was right around the time that our best friend just dropped dead. Sudden heart failure. 29 was putting on out of nowhere to go, go to the apartment swimming with his family. Yes. And he just died out of nowhere. And, um, at the time I remember our other friend, Jason being like, this should be your sign. You need to try. So I was like, I'm going to be the best goddamn wife you've ever seen. And I was like, so hell bent on being the best for you at that point. And I'm not justifying anything that I did. It was not, it was You're not fine. a good situation. We were doing the best. No. And that, that specific time, like I was put on all this medication and it wasn't, it was not a good situation. None of it was a good situation. It was a lot. <laughs> it, it was, was a lot. It was like, it was so much to deal with Jesus. And we separated shortly after our friend Jason died. I mean, we were both devastated, crushed that he died. I still miss him, yeah, you know, from yeah. time. And I, I know we would probably be in different places right now. <laughs> I if always he was wonder alive. where could be a I know, but it's yeah. like Jason just always seemed to love, like mm-hmm. no matter what. So, like, I still feel like we would have still had a relationship with him. Yeah. I, I would like to think that. Um, so, like, going through that and then going through a separation, I feel like I gave you an ultimatum again. Jesus Christ, like, what is with me an ultimatum? Because I remember telling you, like, I need to know by the end of the year if you want to do this. And you were like, how am I supposed to tell you? And I was like, you'll figure it out. And you, we didn't figure it out, which is fine. So then I remember going to the lawyer's office and I was like, he doesn't want me and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I knew you were gay and that's okay. And I wanted you to just be happy. And that's all I fucking wanted for you. Like, that's all I've ever wanted for you. Even back then. I mean, I just remember thinking we just need to figure this out. And then I remember when we were going through the divorce process, I remember being in court in downtown St. Louis. I feel like we both were thinking our lawyer's are like somehow in cahoots or something. <laughs> and they like, are, they were, I mean, they were, I remember were. when I signed up with that organization, they asked if they could switch to someone else because he personally knew your lawyer from going to school right. together. We did go through a lot of hard shit and we had to go through court appointed counseling. Uh, and I remember God even we went in through that though. We were crying. Yes. I that was and, a big and, game changer. It was. Well, we could have said it was only good things. Yeah, it was only good things because we got to a point where we were just like, 
what are we fucking doing? And and it was it was at that time too that I think it represented a lot. It had to do with like right. our church, right? Because after the affair and stuff went down, like I think that it became clear that they wanted you to be right. someone that you were not. They wanted me to be right. somebody that that I was not. And I think right. both you and I were realizing everybody was against us. Yeah. But when you had filed, and I was like, you know what? I I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'm I'm done trying. Let's move on. Let's let her go. Right. It needed to happen. And I'm right. so glad you did it. I'm so glad you I divorced know. me because and that- <laughs> I never would have because it but it I, triggered I so much of like the black right. and white thinking of my background and like my parents' divorce and everything. I hadn't right. been able to process it with any nuance. Everything was very black and white my brain needed to understand of like, no, you were doing what you could and trying to be the right. best. And I was trying and neither of us were able to be who we were. Right. And on top of that, it wouldn't be helpful to our son if you and right. I kept faking shit or not. Right. I wouldn't, I don't want to say faking because we didn't fake. We were right. honest about our tries <laughs> to make it work. Right. But that is the same thing as faking. Just with a little bit yes. more self-awareness, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, I don't know how I knew, but like, I knew you would not do that. I knew I had <laughs> to had be the divorce. one. Like I, and that, like I said, Thank I don't you. know how, no, you're so welcome. Future Brady's. You're thing. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really hard. It was incredibly hard, but you know, I mean, it, it worked out. Oh, shit. Um, we do need to go to commercial. If you don't mind, after the break, I want to pick up that story more. Yeah, and for sure. talk about you're out. Yes. You are now married. The yeah. co-parenting side. What are some of the practical things that we can tell people? Yes. And then explain like this whole idea of a chosen family, which I, is a very queer. I mean, it happens you with straight are. people too. Yes. But like the idea. It of totally can. Family is a very queer tradition. Yes. Of our queer I mean, community. I've cut 80% of, of my family, family yeah. out. Same, I can yeah. definitely talk about that too. Can you send us to commercial? Yeah. We'll be right back. This is the special intermission interview, the part of the intermission where Brady does a special interview. Cordy, who's today's special guest? You just know him as a son. It's your nine-year-old, only begotten son, Hilo. You knew it was me. You called me in here, and I'm sitting right here. I know, but that's not how this works. It's more fun when I ask. But yeah, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks. Can we talk about the talking computer? Yeah, that's my good buddy, Cordy. Love you, B-Dog. They, them pronouns, non-binary. They used to be on, uh, you know, Veggie Tales. You know I didn't watch that garbage, Cordy. No offense. None taken. But yes, I've met Cordy. The talking computer you have in your room that I've never met before. Is this what you do when I go to bed? Sometimes. (sighs) 
I'm never getting Christmas presents from a second step family, am I? <clears throat> what was that? Nothing. I bet the paper in your hands or this extra copy that I'm sliding across the table will help you know what to say next. Dad. So, what's the 411? Dad. What have you been up to? Dad. What's the hot goss? Tell me everything. Dad. Just go along with it. Isn't that what you say parents shouldn't tell their kids? Oof. Cordy told me about the cartoon dog from the special intermission interview the cats killed last episode. And about the vampire from Netflix on the one before that. Do you need to talk to someone? Get over here. Turn off the mic. Come on, buddy. Your mom is here, and I want this to go nicely. Just read the cards for me, please. What do you, what do you want? A Minecraft, a few Fortnites, a handful of Smash Bros? Stop. You sound so old that Columbia House called your rotary phone because they couldn't read what Spice Girl cassette tapes you selected. <laughs> that stuff. Oh, I have an idea. How about no more making me watch YouTube clips of the Christian sitcom I thought in. you liked hearing about completing, Caden. You, you used to fall asleep to clips of and it when you were a And when I turned I don't want to have to watch Jesus Camp on Halloween in the middle of the woods so I'll, quote, know how good I have it, end quote. Oh, come on. I've had Scare Church Projects, colon, Monsters Indoctrination, Hocus Pocus on the Family, Jesus Camp Camping Crusade Weekend 2025, planned for a very, very long time. I've had shirts made. And I'll do the interview for a new Pez dispenser. (sighs) And what kind do you want? You have two games. Two? Okay, let's do this. Uh, in, from the top. So, so, what have you been up to? Uh, what's the hot goss? Oh, boy. I love the Life After Podcast secret community and adore how you can join on Facebook because you don't want to deconstruct alone. So, so many more of you should be giving my dad all of the monies each month on Patreon.com. Oh, and for everyone else out there, a five-star review on iTunes will do. Great job, kid. That was awesome. Awesome. Uh, hey, where are you going? Hello? Even though my bedtime is 9 p.m., they call me night. Do you know why? Because after the second day, I will come after you. I'm going to go watch YouTube. It's been two moons. Now Pez up. Oh, please, no, Batman. Please don't hurt me. I mean, Hilo. Hilo, do not Menendez me. Put the bat down. That's not what it means by Batman. You're being more of a brat, man. Didn't you know Batman was an orphan? You're out of time, Dad. Joker. Alert. Your shipment with Pez Dispenser has arrived. Thanks, Dad. I'm so glad it's here. Wait, Ready. there's no Run. package here. Run. Get it out. <laughs> episode's main interview of the Life After Podcast. And welcome back to the Life After. When you trusted me enough to to come out, to me, that was a huge game changer. Yes. This whole time we were talking and we were showing displays of trust and little displays of co-parenting, et cetera. Yeah. Coming out happened. It was like another level of, oh, not only are you opening up to me, but we're meeting on the same level. Right. We're the same. We're the same. <laughs> but yes. what happened? Tell me. I the mean, story. okay, so I'll give you the short version. So after we divorced, I was exclusively dating men. Okay, let me just 
I've always liked women. Wendy Peppercorn. I always crushed on. Oh my God. Are you talking about Sandlet? She was the lifeguard. Yes, she was, lifeguard. she was the lifeguard. Wendy Peppercorn was lifeguard. And then if any of you remember. Oh, Helen, Helen Hunt from <gasps> Twister. Helena from Twister in her jumpsuit. Oh, my Jesus Christ. I would lay on. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, tell Helen me Hunt, if you're this. listening, call me. Um, Contact. Sarah Contact knows that I feel this way, so she'll get over it. <laughs> um, Sigourney Weaver and Alien. I mean, same reaction. I just watched that over this weekend, okay. and I'm just saying, like, I get she's it. sexy get as it. shit. Um, so, I mean, I've always <laughs> felt this way. I've always had that thought in my brain. Even like the girl in Christmas vacation, when she gets on the diving board and slings her red swimming suit off, it's a red swimming suit thing. And it's like khaki jumpsuit. (laughs) There's just something about both of those combinations that I'm like, whoa, that's so good. I've always had that desire in the back of my brain. Like I've always known it was there always, probably since I was four or five. Then when, as I was getting older, after we divorced, I was just exclusively dating men. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. This just doesn't feel right. No, 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 no. I felt like I was uber bitch, just constantly breaking up. You would meet certain guys. And then like a few weeks later, I'd be like, oh, I'm not dating them anymore. There was like two. It wasn't like. I know. But when I was always really careful with who Hilo would meet, I would wait a really long time before I introduced him to anybody because I just wanted to be certain. But all that to say, I hit 31, 31. And I was in Seattle. Like 30 years old, that was your birthday, was, or 31 guys that no. you did. <laughs> <laughs> Not 31 guys. Um, okay. Let me just clarify. I was 31 years old. Um, and I was in Seattle seeing a guy, of course. I had a massive panic attack. And I was like, what the f- fuck am I doing with my life? What the fuck? Not happy. This is not what I want. What am I doing? I got home from Seattle. I was just kind of chilling out for a while. And then it was towards the middle or end of November that I was like, I'm going to go on Tinder for just exclusively women. No men. I don't want a fucking dick. I don't want it. I just want to look at women. When I got on Tinder, I saw this girl And I was like, oh, shit, she's really cute. She's super cute. I have to message her. I took the first step. She she did not think I was real. She confirmed this. (laughs) She was like, this person isn't real. For the lizard, because you you are kind of a babe. um, And if they were wanting to catfish someone. She thought I was totally catfishing Very much like using your And then all of her family were like, she's straight. What are you doing? (laughs) And so we met, we started talking the week of Halloween and like, she sent me a picture of um, our dog, Charlie and a cute skeleton. I love Charlie. He loves you. Charlie's obsessed with Brady. I'm just letting you all know right now. He gives me the most romantic. Oh, he loves Brady. (laughs) And it's so fucking cute. She sent me like picture of Charlie in a skeleton sweater. We were texting on Halloween night. So we met like the week after early November. We met at 
a wine bar nearby and we were there for God, like five or six hours and everybody was rooting for us and cheering for us. And it was like (laughs) such a weird moment. So then afterwards I was like, Oh my God, I have to tell everybody, but then like, I'm not out. So I couldn't tell everybody. Um, So I immediately messaged Brady. I was like, Brady, (laughs) (laughs) I went on a date with a woman. It took me a lot longer to say that, but I was so happy. We were close enough at the time that I was just like, I have to tell you this. Yes. Here's my side. I remember one day I was sitting at work. You send me an IM and you're Brady. I (laughs) I met someone. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm happy for you. Um, How's that going? And it got to the point where we both realized that we were talking about not a man. Right. right? (laughs) Um, um, And so I was like, wait, wait, wait. Yes. What now? Awesome. I'm here for this. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking all of my family that's like demonized me for being homosexual and it is tied with Jesse. Now they can't because we're on this fucking weird. But so thank you for being queer. (laughs) It was it was fucking beautiful. So if you don't mind, we have um, our son, the practical side of our divorce, yes. et cetera. We've got, we do half, half, half the time he's at my house, half the time he's at mm-hmm. hers. But with co-parenting, we're still able to make decisions together. Yes. A big changing point in my mind, when we kind of shifted towards, I could really trust and co-parent with her now mm-hmm. is when, um, number one with me being gay and both of our families being very Christian, when you communicated to me that you told both sides of mm-hmm. our families, Hey, if you talk shit about Brady being gay, we're going right. to have issues that, Oh my God, that meant the world to me. And that's when I knew, Oh shit, this is something completely different right. now. Like, both evolved and we're connecting on an evolved level. What was that like for you? When we were going through the divorce process, our divorce was finalized and you came out on Facebook. It was months later. I just remember like both of our families had issues with it, which we know with their religious upbringing and our past, they, I mean, I don't know that they ever would have taken that well, but it just pissed me off because this was our marriage. This was our relationship. If I'm okay with it, y'all need to suck it up and get over Mm -hmm. it. Because if I can deal with it, you can deal with it. Our relationship um, and things that happened, it was like, this affects us more than affects any of you because you weren't involved in any of this. Made me so mad when um, when you initially came out that like, oh, it's not safe for you to be with Brady. And I was like, this is bullshit. It's bullshit. All Brady has ever done is proven that he is a capable father. Obviously loved Hilo. Like from the moment he was born, you loved him. I had no doubt about that in my mind. And I knew that you were going to do whatever you needed to, to protect him and keep him safe. I knew you wouldn't put him in a place of danger. Like I just knew that. I had that instinct that there's no way that you would put him in harm's way. And so for like other people to think that my family and your family included, 
it just pissed me off because you've never been a bad person, you know, like, yeah, you've been manipulated just like I have been, but you were only ever doing the best that you thought needed to be done. Just like me, like we, we were only doing the best with the tools that we were given. And um, yes, yes, yes. early on when you came out officially, I <laughs> was so happy for Shit you. The I was just like, was Jesus fun. Christ, like <laughs> let him live his life. The hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments on my Facebook. Yes. Yes. And like, I'm so sick of the culture that we grew up in where, oh, if you're gay, that must equate to some sort of like negative thing. Um, Yes, exactly. It it just made me sick and it frustrated the Mm. shit out of me. And so I remember really early on standing up against my family. If you're going to say anything negative about Brady, you better not say it in front of me because I was, I was so angry, like on your behalf, because like, I was, like I said, I've always been curious. I've always wanted to grow and learn. I never wanted to be stagnant. Oh, I want to hug you. I never wanted to be stagnant. Right. And so I'm like, (laughs) I'm holding it together. I promise. Oh no, you're fine. If I realized that really like, you know, my family. Yes. You know what I grew up in and you know, how there was never really space for me to be a brain. Right. There was never, you never had a safe space. What I realized is that the first time that I was truly ever defended as myself was what you just described, oh. is what you did for me, and the space that you held for me to be my actual true self. Yeah. In the midst of my family, you were the first person in my entire life that ever came in and defended me in a way that allowed me to be myself. Thank you. Thanks. I feel like we were brought together for a reason, you know, and uh-huh. I don't know what that means and I don't know who or why or what. <laughs> like, don't get me started on that. I was put in your life for a reason. Like I've always okay, felt yeah. that. And I mean, even in and of itself, just because of Hilo, right? Just because of Hilo. We were it. meant to be Hilo's parent. Seeing your love for Hilo, seeing your care for Hilo, you would do anything for him. And I know that. And I've always known that. And it's like, it's just, it's never been a question in my mind. Like, why wouldn't I stick up for the person that loves my son the most? Right. You know, it makes sense. It makes so much sense. And it's weird with the family that I grew up in of why didn't I click with them? I remember there was an episode of Modern Family where the whole joke was the two men that were married, they had their kid was in a school who made a friend, but the friend's parents were lesbians. And the whole joke was that gay men and lesbians have nothing in common. They're completely at odds. There's no like middle ground, except at the end, they find out, but we both love our children. And that was like the combining thing. Yes. We found not only ourselves at the same time, but we found ourselves through loving our kid. That was like a basic thing. And once we were able to feel secure with each other as parents, everything else was able to. Absolutely. Our story was not easy. I mean, we really went through a lot of shit and I, I don't even know that I can convey that in words, everything that we've gone through together. That day that we were in the courthouse and we stepped off to the side and we were like, everybody else is throwing their negative. They're throwing their opinions and their negative opinions at us. What do we think? What do you think? What do I think? 
feel like all we started on was we both love Hilo. Yes. And that's, that's where like our baseline started was we love Hilo. Let's build upon that. Let's expound upon that. We had to push out all of the extra bullshit. Everybody else's opinions, our family's opinions, our lawyer's opinions, our friend's opinions. It was, what do I think? And what does Brady think in this moment right now? What do you want? What do you care about? We care about Hilo. Okay. We both have that common goal. We can move forward with that. I can trust that no matter what, at the end of the day, no matter what shit happens, no matter what life throws at us, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm 100% confident that you love Hilo and care for Hilo. And that's all you care about. And same with you. If that's all we have in common, then it's enough. That's enough. That is enough. I remember early on when we first separated and then when we were divorced, I wanted to be in control. I wanted to know what was going on with Hilo at your house. I wanted to know everything, literally, physically, metaphorically. I had to take a step back and realize even if we were together, even if we were still married right now, we would still have different parenting skills, parenting styles. It wouldn't matter if we were together or separate. Yes, it honestly was such a game changer for me that I relinquished all control at that point. It's a really good point. That really helped me move forward because it's like, you know what? You don't know everything that's happening over there, but all you know is that Brady loves Hilo, trusts, cares about Hilo. So therefore you can trust him. When we started to kind of communicate that more to each other, you know, like... I feel like we were at an advantage of me being gay. Some people after their divorce or whatever, and they're trying to get along for the sake of the kid. It's like, right. are we trying to get back right. together again? <laughs> no. Like a heteronormative or another couple yeah. can do is not have to like express a boundary of, hey, we're never getting back together again. Well, and but it's funny say you that, like, say that. Yeah, because there was always this question of, oh, so you're close with your ex. And I'd be like, but he's gay. And he finally I mean, gets to suck dick. <laughs> he's really busy sucking dick. He doesn't give a shit what we're doing. He's enjoying his life. So when I was dating men, like before Sarah, they were there was still like always this weird. Mm, right, right. I don't know right, that I believe that. But then when I when I met Sarah and started dating her seriously, she was just like, oh, "He's gay." She was not. When I tell you, she was not ever worried about us getting back together. It just filled her with relief. That I, can't, <laughs> I explain. Like you'll have to talk to her about I mean, that. Yeah. I could, in a weird Reba right. universe, seen us having to oh, live yeah. together. For like a sitcom. Hilo always says we should live together. So oh God, that if we be- ever add an addition to the house, you can move in. Um, <laughs> let, yeah, I'll but I like that. weirdly feel that would work out with us. Because I, I mean, strange, in a strange way. if you get married, if you don't get married, if you have a boyfriend, if you don't, if you have multiple partners, like I don't give a shit. I just want you to be happy. And I want... I want Hilo to see you happy. That's all I've ever wanted. Kids deserve to see their parents happy. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine if we were still together? (laughs) So like, (laughs) I'm, you know, so I'm thinking of like our listeners, 
if you're going through a divorce, if you're figuring out co-parenting, yeah. set that up of establishing together, we're doing this for our kid. That is our base work. Yes. I want to think about how different therapy mm-hmm. was based on what our church experience was compared to what you finally got on right. your own and what I finally got on my own. Right. That changed our lives because we tried to do church <laughs> through our marriage and it became extremely it manipulative. Did. Yeah. Um, they were manipulating me. They were manipulating you. Right. There was a group of three elders that really put us through the ringer of spiritual abuse. And Absolutely. Indoctrination bullshit. And you had mentioned earlier, the preacher's wives mentioning that you just need to give yourself over sex. That makes me sick that you were giving the right. advice to Divorce and marriage counseling had to have been even worse with these three bozos. <laughs> Before we get back to the positive, more constructive right. thing, can you unhash your like spiritual abuse situation and what you experienced? Oh my gosh. Time? Early on when we first started having issues, and I remember I had the emotional affair where I was talking to another person out of state. And it just, I mean, it wasn't a good situation for any of us. And we we started going to counseling with our some our pastor and then some elders at the church. They would every time we went into counseling, they would look at my phone and one of the elders, I guess in particular, he would look through my search history, he would look through everything, he would look through my text messages, my emails. Uh. I mean, it was so controlling. And like, I just thought that was normal. I thought that, that that's how oh, yeah. I picked that up a couple months later and started doing it myself. Yes, exactly. Jesus. And personally, like, so I've always worn like V-neck t-shirts always for as oh, long as you, if you were a fucking cartoon character, <laughs> I would always have a V-neck t-shirt on yes, yes, like yes. a men's undershirt by <laughs> V-neck tee. I probably have 60 over here. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just my style. I mean, I've always (laughs) worn them. And one time specifically, we went into counseling with the pastor and with the elders and we were leaving counseling. It was nighttime. I walked outside with one of the elders and he was like, my God, if your shirt would have moved two inches, I would have seen your nipple. At the time, I was like, this is really weird. But now, I'm, what the fuck? Are you cut. fucking you never serious? wore them like... It wasn't even low cut. And he was literally sexualizing me and manipulating me. My body has always been used against me. You know, like even no matter what I wore, it didn't matter. It was always used against me. And then the same pastor. So when we were really like in the thick of separation, we were trying to figure out what the fuck we were doing. I went and stayed at his family's house um, out like in the country in Missouri. Which he was married. The wife. Was yeah, there, the they kids. were married. And the wife was like the sweetest person. She was on the great. Yeah. yeah. I still like, respect her. I do too. Way. And I don't. But I'm also I'm like, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. Because she was so sweet. And I've always respected her. She was so lovely. She was just a wonderful person. Yes. She was incredibly intelligent. And her kids were incredibly smart. And she was married to just this doofus man. Jason's wife, her friend that passed away. Um, she came out one night while we were there, while Hilo and I were there. He said to us, it was the four of us sitting there. He said to us, nothing would stop him from coming and getting in the shower while one of us was in the shower. 
Christ. But and that that's on temptation. Oh, well, he's tempted, but by God's grace, he doesn't fall into <sighs> temptation. I felt disgusting. Clearly, this man is looking you had to at to drive me. out there like yes, two hours. Yes. Clearly, this man is looking at me some kind of way. And then later on, um, you know, my uncle is a photographer. He had taken some pictures of me while we were in Colorado. And this man privately messaged me about these pictures, telling me which one was his favorite and why it was his favorite. And I felt disgusted, but then I felt like I couldn't tell anybody because who would believe me? Who would believe me? Nobody's going to believe me. If I bring him up to the church, the pastor isn't going to believe me. The other elders aren't going to believe me. My brother that goes there isn't going to believe me. That really was like the beginning of the end for me for that church specifically, because this is happening to me. What else has happened to other women? What what else is happening to other young women like children what is happening to any of them it's not just a it's not just a question of being believed it's a question of whether or not they're going to do anything right. um, of holding their buddy accountable because in their mind right all of them are representing the gospel if they let this get out then it's bad on the gospel so it's good for them to hide it right because ultimately they're doing it for the gospel's sake. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like it's shit like that where you can't trust these people for so many different levels. And it even mm-hmm. includes what they think is the most important godly thing ever, right. protecting the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ. And they don't want any bad words to get around about his church or non-Christians to hear about their scandals. They want to keep all that in. And so they're lying and covering up in their head is, well, I can sleep better at night knowing that I helped God. Yeah. The second episode of the podcast, I interview Marnie. Right, uh, yes. Who went to the same church her. and had the same exp- experiences and a couple other people. And it is it is systemic. And it's not just that yes. church. It's not just one bad apple. Right. It is the whole damn Yes. Thing. Damn, I just, that irks me of how right. treated and how those pastors. This specific person was very open with these temptations. Yes. And it was almost we should condemn him for being so open and honest with his temptations. It's like, maybe you just shouldn't say that in the first place. No context. No, like like it just, the wife that was there with us, her husband just died. I was in the middle of a separation on the brink of divorce. Maybe don't say that you want to get in the shower with us. It's not that hard to not say it. Um, so it just really made me, it started making me question a lot. It, because oh. we because we are part of a community that like claim to know the truth and the ultimate morality right. and everything. So if you don't mind, like the way that I saw that sort of counseling, that was all about telling us who to be. Here's the mold yes, that you need to fit absolutely. in. What was your counseling experience like or your real professional therapy? <sighs> was that just somebody telling you who you need to be and what what levels you need to be at? Or was that a different type of communication? So at the time I was seeing a counselor. Um, She was a Christian counselor and I'm sure there are good, I almost don't want to say that. I'm sure there are good Christian counselors in the world, but. but. Well, what helped me, the one that we, we were going to do couples therapy 
but mm-hmm. we only did one thing. And then he asked me, well, do you just want to keep going? I was like, sure. So I did a couple of sessions with him and he helped me understand what spiritual abuse was. So I read a oh, book Oh, I that. didn't have any of that. Yeah. So that was really helpful for me early on that even yeah. as a Christian, he helped me stand up against Rockport. And so after I was disfellowshipped from there and you were disfellowshipped and then und- all that bullshit, yeah. I- fought for myself and was able to prove myself biblically to be innocent of being mm-hmm. disfellowship. And they had to apologize and they drug their feet. And that's when I realized I don't believe this shit. And then I downloaded right. Grinder and I came out and did the whole thing. That's right. At that point, I was still playing within their their rules. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that Christian therapist was helpful, but overall the therapist that helped me the best was one who was not Christian at all. I've heard that time and time again with various people. If you need counseling, I would just recommend going to like a very unbiased, Mm non-Christian. I mean, a good counselor is a good counselor. I'm just going to say, do your research. Because when I, when Brady and I were still together, I was going to a counselor and she was a Christian counselor. And she convinced me that I was bipolar. And she told you that I was bipolar. I remember this, yeah. And like she planted the seed in my head. And I was like, what the crap? I believed it. I ran. I know, I know. And I don't blame you for that because she was so confidently saying that. Um, So I went to her and then I went to a psychologist. I do want to say too, like being bipolar, and you weren't saying this at all. There's nothing wrong with, it's just, it's a, it's one of those things that like within the fundamentalist world where they have no understanding of right. mental health, things just get thrown around and like done they in a do. way that's just not Yes. Helpful. And that, so I mean, the it was a misdiagnosis. With, yeah. It was a misdiagnosis and I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression. When she said that initially, I was like, oh, maybe she's right. It wasn't right. just like, you know, this is what it is. But it tur- it was very much manipulated against me. Valid. Yeah, it was just like such a negative thing. My parents and my dad, he was just like, oh, well, if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or any any other ailment, you just don't have faith in God. Or that could just be like a chemical imbalance in your yes. brain. These are real valid issues that so many people deal with. And it really frustrated the shit out of me because I was like, I don't feel that way. And I went to a psychologist and he was like, oh, you're not, you're not that. For like one session, he was like, no, like, I don't (laughs) believe that for a second. And I was like, okay, good. The experience that I had in counseling at that point, it was just very, I mean, everything pointed back to God. You need to have more faith. You need to rely more on Jesus. You need to rely more on Christ and you need to do this. You need submit. to pray. You need to trust. That's yes. Shit. And submit. Ugh, submit. Trust submit, and obey. Submit. And it, but this still isn't right. Like no matter right. what I do, it's not right. And like, oh, well, your heart's not in it. And oh, fuck. Like how, what else am I supposed to do? Then since when I came out, it's like I came out to Brady officially on the internet you know, with Sarah. And I immediately was like, I need counseling. I need counseling (laughs) because I've obviously been hiding this Mm. for like way too long. I have a lot to deconstruct. I need to talk to somebody. And I first went to a counselor that like made everything about her and it was really discouraging. And she was like, oh, you're fine. And it was after three sessions. And I was like, I don't feel fine. (laughs) You're saying I'm okay. Okay. And I ended up finding another counselor 
and she's phenomenal. She has changed my way of thinking over the simplest things, especially with deconstruction and with my family. Like I, I love this. She's yes. helped me tremendously. And over the last three years, so Sarah and I have been together, I guess, three years now, and I've cut out 80% of my family. This, <laughs> this flows perfectly into what I wanted to talk oh, about. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. I mean, that was not easy at all. Mm -hmm. And I could not have done that without her. I couldn't have done that without you, without Sarah, even without Hilo. I mean, for real, the kid gets it. He gets it. And I mean, I would like to think that that's because of our parents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But (laughs) I won't be so vain to say that, but I mean, I remember talking to him because he was like, why aren't we seeing, you know, my uncle and my aunt and my cousins well, because they don't accept me and Sarah, they don't accept right. my lifestyle. You know, they don't, they don't like who we are. And he was like, oh, why wouldn't they like who you are? And I'm like, that's a great question, but <laughs> that's a really good question. And he was like, you're not doing anything wrong. I know that, but they don't know that they, they don't believe that. And I mean, the last few years have been They've been exceptionally hard, but with the hard has come the good. Sarah has been phenomenal. Um, She is. And when I told her about you early on, she was like, oh, we need to hang out with him. That's the thing. That's the thing. Sarah is a bridge builder. She's so proactive about it. And it's something I I really appreciate about him. She's always been there to support me. And she... She can see through bullshit a mile Mm -hmm. away. She's been in social work and now she's a nurse. She can see it from a mile away. So when I first told her about you, she was just like, we need to hang out with him. You need to spend more time with him. I want to meet him. I want to, I want to have him over. And so that just started us having you over for dinner and us having Mm -hmm. like spending quality time with you. And Anytime we spent time together, when you would come over, she was like, I could just sit there and listen to you talk forever. <laughs> like you two have amazing stories. You two like have so much care and for each the other. Best gossip and the yes. best oh, yeah. talking <laughs> shit about the people who deserve it. <laughs> I know. My favorite thing is to I am Brady and be like, Did you see oh, this? Oh, did you hear what happened? Look at this. <laughs> yes. We um we like to shit talk people from our past. Oh, yeah. But it's therapeutic. I feel like we would have gotten there anyway. Truly, I do. Yeah, I do, I do. That's just how we are. That's but how we've Sarah, always been. She made it happen yeah. faster. <laughs> she was yeah. like a a buffer that I think. I mean, she helped. gets your perspective, right? Like where she was closeted for so long and mm-hmm. she was hiding her true self for so long. So like she gets that side of it. And it's helped me grow immensely. God, you both have helped me grow immensely. Same. I'm thankful for you both. I'm thankful you for you this but, Thanksgiving. And you too. <laughs> and thing I wanted to hit last before we move on uh, yeah. and let these people go back to their Thanksgivings or whatever is the idea of chosen family. Yeah. Because my side, you know, my dad, since I came out, there, there's not a relationship. And then recently, right. the stuff regarding my mom, you know, has been really dicey. Being in a time of deconstruction where, you know, I had committed myself to the full-time ministry when I was right. 14. So, you know, going through our divorce and the deconstruction and then Jason passing away and everything yeah. all at once was like, 
losing it all. But family left, gone, friends gone, but then over time rebuilding. Mm -hmm. Now understanding what chosen family is. It's a a tradition that a lot of humans have um, participated in, but specifically the queer community. Those of us who don't have our families or whatever, we get to focus on who do we consider our family. And it's not built on, oh, we're born into the same family or we're born in the same church. Are we sharing the same religious beliefs? But now our family is more built on right. people choosing to be there for something. Right. And you and Sarah have done that for me. And I know recently with the stuff with my mom, you all have been even proactively making sure that I know yeah. you all are there for me. And I really yeah. appreciate the hell out of that. I know Thank we you. were divorced. I know we went through a ton of shit. I know we face hard times, but you will always have a part of my heart that like, I can never explain. Um, I mean, and I don't know that anybody will understand it unless they've been in that situation, but I have always had love for you. You know, I will, I, I will continue to always have love for you. People know you. And when people get to know you and are around you. I mean, even my friends, they fucking love you you. when they're in a room with you and you're talking and just like telling stories, they will look at me and mouth. I love him. (laughs) And you know, I mean, and they, everybody says that. I mean, even Sarah's family, their whole thing is like, you're always welcome because yeah, you're tied to me in Hilo, but it's also just because who you are. Even if we just knew you and you weren't Hilo's dad, they would love you regardless because they love people, you know? They and are that's, the most that's like, like the biggest. God, number one, that all means the fucking world to me. And I feel the exact yeah. about you, just the maturity and growth and who you are, it just is astounding. And Sarah's well, family has just been so fucking yeah. They have. I'm married. I'm married a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good one. You got it. I got I mean, but like you're a good one too. Like I just I I I feel like deconstructing it really did force me into a situation of who do I want to be around? Who do oh. I want to spend my time with? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I have my family. They're still around, but sometimes they suck. <laughs> So racist. I mean, just everything, Everything. every bad thing that you could imagine. It's, it's that. And I'm all about growth. I don't want to be stagnant. You help me grow. Sarah helps me grow. My friends help me grow. I don't need quality. Like I (laughs) I don't need quantity. I don't need quantity. I want quality people in my life. And you are one of those quality people. You are quality as well to the core. What you're saying makes so much sense. It's that difference between being told who we are and what form we should be fitting. And then the queer way is, no, this is who I am. Now let's all get along and and be who we are because of who we are. Let's love each other. Yeah. Whereas before, and that's, like family, it's like you were born into this. Now you have to get along with these people. Right. In church, it was you believed the same thing as these people. Now you have to get along exactly. with them. Now it's like you just love the same kids. So right. we're choosing to get along with each yeah. other. And it works. My family is all about tradition and like, oh, we've always done it this way. So therefore, we'll always continue to do it this way. So I really rocked the boat when I 
I broke out of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't been involved in birthdays. I haven't been involved in holidays. Like they still ask me and I'm always, I'm just like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no. I, I mean, last Thanksgiving, it was me, you, Sarah, and Hilo. And it was so wonderful it's nice. to just it's have right. the four of us there, you know, and it, there's no other place I'd rather be in that situation. I don't want to be with my family. They're my blood relatives. And I know that this is, it's a touchy situation for everybody. And I might like, my heart goes out to everybody that's in a situation like this with their families where they don't like their families may not understand them. They don't understand them. They don't get why they're deconstructing could be a million things, sexual preference. What, I mean, what have you, you can choose the people that you want to be your family. You are my family. We're not married. Yeah, we're still connected. We'll always be connected because of Hilo, but we never had to be this close, but like I wouldn't yeah, want it any other way. I agree. Well, too, we've also just shared such weird fucking experiences. <laughs> and there's like, there's going to be no one else in my life that right. is going to understand the characters the settings, the context, (laughs) uh, there's so much of we went through. I I mean, that's, that's special. I mean, you look at disaster movies and at the end, they fall in love or they're always going to be in each other's lives forever. It's because they went through some weird disaster. I mean, are we going to fall in love again? (laughs) No, I'm just saying like, we've definitely definitely gone through like Twister 1, 2, 3. We have. We really grew up together. In a lot of ways, Jesus Christ, we were... I was 23 when we got married. 25, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I remember thinking having Hilo by the time I was 25, that I was going to be old. Okay. Like, (laughs) let me just, let's just let that sink in for a second. So I had him right before I turned 25. I was 24. And I remember thinking I'm so old. That tells you anything about the culture that we grew Mm -hmm. up in. I thought we were crazy for waiting six months mm-hmm. after marriage to have a child. So we did grow up together. We evolved together. We did. We had to grow up fast. Absolutely. And it was our first times being in a place that we could be ourselves instead of just being yes. told who to be. But we still ended right. up telling each other who to be. We eventually right. figured it out. It we did. Yeah, it did take some time. And it's, I still only think about like happy memories when we first had Hilo. Mm. And it just, I mean, that always, that makes me happy. I will look back to that forever and I'm going to look back to this yeah. to this interview for, yeah. forever because I've wanted to speak to you about these things for so long on this show and the timing was just perfect and I can't thank you enough for sharing your story no and sharing, you don't have to thank me I, but it's just it is this was perfect this is exactly what it, I wanted yeah. and what I needed and I think that People who are listening to this, I hope that it opens some more just like possibilities. Yes. There's a quote. I love Harriet the Spy. Yeah. I watched it recently with Hilo and there was this quote that really touched me. And that was, for as many people as there are alive, there are as many ways to be human. I'm probably butchering that. But we were always told who to be and everything. But the whole right. spirit of being yourself and being who you are is the opposite of that. And realizing that there's 7 billion different ways for us right. to be ourselves. 
the most true version of myself is getting to have a podcast episode <laughs> with my goddamn ex-wife yes. where we can spew out our hearts <laughs> and just do what we can to yeah. fix the world that yeah. has been harmful for so long. I'll never forget. Somebody told me, don't be a miserable divorced person, which sounds like really simple, but I held on to that, really took it to heart. I would love to think that we were the only people that got divorced. I'm not that <laughs> stupid or naive to think that. Like if I could just help somebody, yeah, it would be, worth, be it. worth it. It's taken a it's taken us a while to get here. I feel like we've been good for years now at this point. It wasn't always easy. And I still feel like every now and then we still have hard conversations because that's just life. life. Yeah. We are so open with each other and we're just so honest with each other. I mean, truly, I could not imagine raising a child with anybody else. It just works. I don't know. Like that probably sounds really easy that it just works out. All this to say, I mean, I remember being in really dark places when we were getting divorced. Um, Even when we were together and we were having struggles, I was really in this place of wanting to self-harm. You know, it just, it was, so it was really dark. All this to say, just don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop. Find yourselves. At the end of the day, if all you have in common is your child, that's all you have in common. And that's okay. And that's where we started. And like now we're here. (laughs) I know it's so easy to say this on the other side of everything. If you need advice, reach out to people. I don't want people to feel alone. The biggest part of this podcast is the first step is letting people know that they're not alone. Of yes. normalizing these experiences. Of yes. What is normal is right. reading the Bible and not seeing these things come to be. Right. What's taught to you as normal is all these miraculous things happening left and right and everything falling in place. So when it doesn't go with the messaging then we're left right. we're left completely on our own because the entire community and upbringing and families are based and centered on right. that messaging. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not alone. I've cut my family out because of the situation I'm in. And yeah, reach. I mean, I'm just saying now, if you need somebody to talk to, reach out. I'm more than happy Fucking to love talk it. to you. It's, it's a cool part of like the online communities and stuff too, yeah. is that we can reach out that way. So God, this was perfect. This is everything I hoped it would be. Uh, Good, and more. Yeah. Listeners, thank you so much. Yes, thank Jesse, you. Jesse, you're the best. You had so many great things to say today. Yeah, and you're the helpful. best. And we end these episodes with a little saying that is, if you don't go to church, a Sunday is just a second Saturday. I'll see you next time. This has been an episode of the Life After podcast. Find us on Facebook for our secret online community. Find our merch on TeePublic, monthly contributions on Patreon, and don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. To hate myself, congratulations, you played yourself out of mental health and living itself. Speak for yourself, your marriage not a testimony. Don't believe the church is a bribe, but she owe me alimony. I'm a pony up and stick a feather in your ceremony. Wearing weddings out, I call it Yankee Doodle Matrimony. And I'm only getting started, my tongue is fire. Fighting gaslighting leaders like your ways are not higher. I don't need a choir to bring down the entire empire. You threw the gasoline, I'm just spitting matches through the wire. 
trying to break them free, make them see the refrains and mental chains of slavery. I disagree with any preacher, teacher, not on defeat. I repeat, I don't need a church to walk in victory. I'm complete. Go, 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 go.